When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the GM Shuffle. There's a separation between Ramsey and everybody else because Ramsey's one of the few guys that can play press. He could be win breakfast and he can win lunch. He can win dinner. Like, he can do it both. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. It is the GM Shuffle. Man, do we have a lot to talk about today on the show. As always, Michael Lombardi here. You follow him on the Twitter machine. At M Lombardi NFL, I'm Ben Wilson. You know, we, we heard on the show last week, Michael, you, ta- you started talking Cal Ripken and streaks. I felt like, all right, Femi Abebefe, he's going to be on vacation, sitting by a lake. We had to keep the streak going. So, oh, so of course, I, I volunteered myself for this, and Stephen Bond was like, yeah, sure, you can, you, can, you can join. So thank you for having me this week. I'm excited to do the show with you because, we, man, do we have a lot to, to uh, discuss here. Well, welcome, Ben. I appreciate you filling in. Femi's in some remote lake in Minnesota, the land of lakes, so uh, hard to get reception. So it's always <laughs> yes. good to have you. I appreciate it. And it worked out perfectly that we have a lot to talk about besides the blues and the red corners. Oh, no no question. We will get to our blue chips, red chips a little bit later, getting to the corner position, which is, as you kind of teased last week, is going to be a fascinating discussion. There's some, some on your list where I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear the explanation here. But yes, uh, as, as we record this uh, on Thursday here, July the 7th, about 24 hours ago, the Baker Mayfield news, it becomes official. And I know this was something, Michael, you were on in the past in the lead up here this summer, thinking Mayfield, the most logical destination would be Carolina. That becomes official yesterday as it's a, a trade. Carolina giving up a conditional fifth round pick for the 2024 draft. We'll get into some of the salary implications here in, in a second. But uh, at the end of the day, I know what you said originally was that you just felt like logistically, right? This would have made the most sense from day one. And and clearly, despite all the bluster we heard behind the scenes, this ended up being, you would think, right? The, the correct decision for both parties based on everything we heard. 
Well, I mean, look, the, the, there was really no interest other than Carolina. I know there was the Josina Anderson tweet that came out that Seattle was strongly interested. That never got verified by anybody I talked to, and I'm sure she has her sources, but I thought that was more of a, of a plan. I thought Cleveland was getting to the point where they wanted to get this deal done. Nobody was budging, Ben, right? Nobody yeah. was budging on the money. Cleveland was committed to paying what they wanted to pay close to $10 million. Carolina was committed to paying what they wanted to pay close to $5 million. And Baker was left with $3.5 million dangling. And it's all guaranteed. So Baker had to make a concession here. And I think over this month, this could have been done a month ago, uh, it's taken a long time for Baker to realize that, you know, I better get this, I better get a chance to compete for a starting job, get my career back on track, and see if I can justify making it up by playtime and going in and competing with Sam Darnold, you know, gives him that opportunity. I, I think to me, it was a move that Baker had to make. And since neither side was budging, and, and the Panthers realized they weren't competing with anybody but themselves. I mean, you're a team in Carolina who was, what, 32nd in passing DVOA from Football Outsiders last year. Your, your quarterback room was an absolute joke. And what's funny now, and we'll get into the, the Browns piece of this in a second because it's, it's kind of a faceted, you know, multi-tiered discussion here. But if you're Carolina, and we saw a lot of reaction, at least you know, in the betting world on social media yesterday of, all right, this really didn't change the Panthers, their, their overall outlook to say win the division or really compete in the NFC North. We saw maybe a little tick up in the win total, say from like a five and a half to a six. Do you, do you, and there's a big if here on a presumption that if Baker Mayfield is healthy, but if he is in fact healthy, Michael, how, mu how much of an upgrade do you view this being realistically for Carolina, given how much of a train wreck Sam Darnold and that whole quarterback room was last year? Well, I mean, look, I, I think we often blame the players for most everything. But I, I think the train wreck in Carolina last year wasn't just Sam Darnold, PJ, uh, you know, Walker, PJ yeah. Walker. I have PJ Tucker on the brain in the 76ers, <laughs> $33 million do. contract. But it, it wasn't just all that, right? It was a combination of things. Really not very good offensive line play, bad offensive scheme. You know, I, I think Joe Brady got in a job as an offensive coordinator in the NFL with really not a lot of experience before that, just the LSU. So it became challenging. And then Sam Darnold didn't play well. He played well early. McCaffrey gets hurt. They don't play good. So to me, you know, I think it's a combination of all three. It was players, coaches, and scheme, mm -hmm. right? I always yeah. talk about three things that why a football team fails. It's players, coaches, and scheme. I think Carolina's offense, that was clear. Now they get Mayfield coming in. And if you take a step back, and, and I say this very honestly, I, I am not a Mayfield fan. I didn't think he was the first pick in the draft. I thought he was he had limitations in terms of his size. I think he needs to be under center more, all those things. But when you watch tape of Sam Darnold and you watch tape of Baker Mayfield in the games that they played, Darnold's played 50 games, Baker started 60 games. In those games, right, in those games that they played, it's, it's not close who's the better player. It's not. I mean, Darnold averages a pedestrian 6.5 yards per attempt. Baker's at 7.3. Baker throws the ball down the field. He makes more plays. You know, he throws more. He's not 92 touchdown passes compared to 54 for Sam Darnold. Their interceptions are relatively right around the same. So for Carolina, you're getting a guy who's proven on tape that he's a better player. And you could say, well, you know, I read a report today that McAdoo didn't like Sam, Darnold, Sam uh, uh, Baker Mayfield coming out. Probably he didn't. But, when, but if Ben's being honest with himself and he's comparing Darnold's tape to Mayfield's pro tape, 
Mayfield's the better player. Right. Now, let him come in and compete. I, I really think that it's wrong, you know, and, and there's a lot of conversations about what Matt Rule did here. I think when you're trying to find a quarterback and you don't have one, I think you got to throw as many assets as you possibly can up against the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's what Carolina did. It, and it's funny, too. Like you mentioned the McAdoo piece of this, and it kind of gets to the whole coaching staff in general. Uh, just first, the, the salary implications here. So Brown's paying Mayfield $10.5 million this year. They trim about $8 million in their cash and salary space. Panthers going to pay $5 million for Mayfield, and he agreed to trim, as you talked about, the $3.5 million off his base salary. He can make those up in incentives uh, theoretically, so he could earn that uh, earn that money back. But you talk about the McAdoo piece of this, hired to be their offensive coordinator this offseason, and there has been, at least in some circles, a thought that for for a front office and, and mostly for a coaching staff that's had a lot of up and downs now with Matt Rule making that transition from the college to the pro game, like this is pretty much a make-or-break season for him third year now as a coach, I, I, I saw Warren Sharp tweet this out where he essentially suggested this deal is 100% about Matt Rule trying to save his own job, bringing in Mayfield. What, what do you think of, of a statement well, what, like what that? What is that? I mean, what, what is, I mean, Matt Rule's trying to win. What's Warren talking about? Like, Matt Rule's trying to win a game. Matt Rule's trying to fix his quarterback position. I mean, you know, like, I, I, I would like to know what Warren's suggestion were for Matt Rule to come in and what would he have done? I mean, it's easy to sit there and say, you know, you should have done this, you should have done that. You know, last year, should they have drafted Justin Fields? I don't know. Do we think Justin Fields is going to be the star? You know, that's one that they have to look back on. Should they have drafted Mac Jones? Maybe they should have. You know, maybe that's the move to be critical of. But I'm never going to criticize. I learned this, Ben, when from Seattle. I learned this from Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And you know, we all want to be perfect. We all want to make the right move. But when it comes to the quarterback position, which I don't know if Warren's the only guy that can evaluate quarterbacks in America. Maybe he can. Maybe he's perfect on his evaluations. I'm certainly not. But I think ultimately what you have to do is you've got to throw as many things up against the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's what Carolina's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, this move wasn't made to save his job. This move was made to hopefully find out what he can improve his team. you got to get good before you get great. Like Nobody just lands a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in your lap. I mean, okay, you know, like, was is Bill Polian a genius because he got Peyton, May, uh, Peyton Manning? I mean, like, seriously, like, it yeah. was laid in his lap. Andrew Luck was laid in their lap. Like, there's certain things that get laid in I mean, Ted Thompson, give him credit. He picked Aaron Rodgers at the bottom of the first round. Alex Smith was, was the first pick in that draft. So it's a hard position to evaluate. So when you start to put as many resources into it, it's telling you, you understand that unless we get one of these guys, we can't win. And, look, and so, team, like, why would you be why would you be critical of a team trying to improve the most important position on the team and putting more assets into it? Like you're drilling for oil. Like it it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many bad wells you hit. It only matters that you hit one. And when you go five and twelve, and you're a, you're a coach with a quarterback room that, as we just talked about, was among the leagues, if not the league's worst. I mean, the reality is, and we can dunk on the whole, oh, you're Carolina now, you have two former top three picks from the same exact draft class, both of whom have have certainly had their separate issues now, and they're on your roster, and what does that really matter for? But the reality is, you you got a guy in a cheap deal who is at least, as you just, you kind of laid out all the reasons, he's at least an upgrade. You are in a, especially in a division where, look, it's, it's obviously a division that has a very top team, a very good team in Tampa Bay at the top, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of wiggle room among a couple of rebuilding squads within Atlanta. We don't really know what we're going to expect to see out of New Orleans, given some of their injury issues as well. 
So yeah, it's it's kind of like I, I I just wonder how much of this is bleeding over from some of the rumor and some of the narrative from late last year where it was like, yeah, Matt Rule, he was more of a college guy. He's not really liking this whole NFL thing, and he you know he, he kicked out Joe Brady just to try to make a statement or something like you, you can't how 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 real is that in you know in reality when you think about where Carolina is at as a franchise, a franchise that has not really had much if any success since the the Super Bowl year about six years ago. Well, I mean, look, Matt Rule could have had probably any college job he wanted this year if he would have taken it. I think Matt Rule likes being a pro coach. I think Matt Rule's trying to build something bigger than itself. Now, I say this as a caveat. My son's on the coaching staff, so I'm close to pretty much everybody there. And, you know, and I talk to them, and I, and I know what they're trying to do. So I've got intimate information in terms of what they're trying to build. And, you know, and usually Matt Rule – I mean, this time last summer, we were all talking about how Matt Rule's second year – anytime he takes over a team always turns it around and it looked like that was going to be the case when they when they left Houston at 3-0 and and then they went to Dallas and got shellacked they, they had a chance to beat Philly couldn't do it had a chance to beat Minnesota lost it in overtime you know got got destroyed by the Giants came back beat Atlanta I mean he's trying to build something that he can sustain with and I think he likes pro football and I think he's trying to build an organization I, I give him credit for trying to keep going like if I were the general manager there I would have said it, look, I don't love Baker, but I think Baker would help us. Like, like you can't just say, I don't want Baker. Like, mm-hmm. I think Seattle's making a horrible mistake going with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. You know, like, the, I, I want options. I want at least a back door. If, if Darnold beats out Mayfield, okay. Or if Mayfield beats out Darnold, that's okay. I don't care. Like, I got to find a solution. And if the solution is Mayfield plays for one more year with me till Matt Corral's ready to play, okay, that's good too. Like, it's not going to go perfect. We're not we're not shooting a Hollywood movie here. Like it's just not going to mm-hmm. be for the love of the game. You're going to pitch a no-hitter. Like you you got to figure this out and you got to do it on the fly. And guys that sit there on the sideline that have never done it that sit in their room and say, "Well, this is and and tweet out that these are all the like come on, man. Like understand what they're trying to do. Like put yourself like put yourself in their shoes. Right. It's like all the people that rip Belichick because he has bad draft picks. The fuckers got seven, six Super Bowl trophies. What would you rather have? A nice, solid second round pick, or would you rather have the six trophies? I think that's a fair question. You can ask. And look for uh, kind of the you know last thing on this. It's and for you know as funny as we say, oh yeah, second year. That's always been Matt Rule's thing. Yeah, the NFL. I, last time I checked, Michael, a little bit different than uh, than college and the, the spots he was it in, is. and uh, just a little bit. And we saw two. So the last thing I'll ask you on this, and you talk about could it be like whether it's Mayfield or Darnold. It, the point is they at least tried something to make an improvement to their team. Uh, do you do you expect Mayfield to be that week one guy? I mean, DraftKings put out like minus twelve hundred for him to take the first snap this year for Mayfield. Do, do you think he ends up uh, beating out Darnold? We heard he had a good spring. Sam Darnold did for Carolina. I mean, he's been good in the spring. I think they were enthusiastic. I think McAdoo. I think McAdoo thinks he's got a chance, but I think they're going to let the chips fall where they may. I mean, nothing is look. Here's the reality in Carolina, and I think this is a good reality for us as a betting network and for bettors that listen to this pod. Whenever you have a team that's in a desperate mode, players and coaches, you get their best performance. So, you know, uh, yeah, Matt Rule wants – he's desperate to win games this year. He wants to prove that he can coach in the National Football League. Baker Mayfield wants to prove that he can turn his career around. So does Sam Darnold. When you have a lot of that energy going in one direction, you get a lot of people to focus. They will be better in the offensive line, without a doubt. They drafted Mm -hmm. Iggy from from North Carolina. They've improved their line. James Campen, the line coach, came over from Houston. I think that's a huge upgrade. They're going to be better there. There's no doubt. If they can stay healthy, I think with J.C. Horn, when we t- back at the corner, 
I mean, this is not a team that is devoid of talent. If you look at their roster, they're not devoid of talent. This is not a five-win talent team. I think they'll go over on their win total, Ben. Seeing see a little movement to to that over. No, that's fascinating. And I, I mean, over five and a half, over six. I, I think you can make a pretty compelling case, uh, like like you just did. A team that was five and five last year, and then just yeah, health health bit them in the in the uh, in the rear end, and it uh, totally fell apart from there. Uh, but look, it, it's fascinating to at least see this this fallout. We'll see what goes on from here now for Cleveland. Uh, but either way, look, at least you you were all over this, Michael. So props to you. I mean, you, you called it uh, from at least several, several weeks ago. We want to get in, though, continue your red and blue chips because it was I really enjoyed the discussion talking safeties last week. So we're going to talk corners. Let's hit a break. We'll talk. Who, who's Michael Heff? Red chip, blue chip in corner, nickel corner. We'll get all into that next year on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, time for our red chips. We mm. talked safeties last week, and we're going to go to the quarterback position this week. I, I cannot wait for this uh, this discussion. Just for first off, for criteria here, and we talked last week about this blue chips versus red chips. Um, what are you looking to break down when, when you're talking first outside corners? We'll talk nickel corner a little bit later, but what, uh, what was the things you were looking at when you were trying to, to hone down a list of, look, there, there are so many good outside corners in the NFL right now. What were you looking at specifically here? Well, I think corner is the one position, Ben, that is really scheme specific. Uh, I think we as fans really have no clue, have zero clue about coverages. What we think is man coverage really isn't. What we think is in and out coverage isn't. You know, it's who has who. You know, Belichick has one of the great lines of all time when he when he's ripping somebody about a coverage. You know, this is classic one of those, you know, you got him, I got him. Oh, fuck, nobody's got him, right? And the mistakes that are made in the secondary are really significant that people don't understand really who made the mistake. They see the touchdown, they see the corner near him or the safety near him, and they blame that guy when a lot of it is route distribution. So for me, cornerback is an instinctive position. It requires great balance. You cannot be a great corner without great balance, and you've got to have great ball skills. We tend to overvalue the athleticism at times. You know, this guy's a great athlete. He'll be a great corner. Not, not necessarily if he doesn't have ball skills or ball awareness or balance. You know, like, like it, it just doesn't work. So those are the criterias. But, and then the other criteria to be in this category, especially in the red chip, is you got to be able to play man-to-man. And a lot of teams that we think play man-to-man don't. 
you know, like let's take Darius Slay. He didn't make my top 10. He's outside. You know, people say, well, Slay's really a good corner. Well, they play mostly zone in Philadelphia. He plays a hard cover two zone. I mean, they play zone. Does it translate into some man? Yeah. But it's not lockdown man to man. It's the same thing in Cleveland. I mean, Denzel Ward plays mostly. There are a lot of zone. They play man on some third down, but it's a lot of zone. So I, I think it, what I tried to do is to make the 10, I wanted to be able to, to, to say this guy can play man-to-man and he is not scheme-specific. Scheme mm-hmm. He's not scheme-specific. And I think that ultimately is what, what, what separates these guys as, as you go through them. Yeah, no, that, that's a, it's a good way to break it down. Uh, I'm sure, I don't know, where does, the, where does that Belichick quote rank of your, your greatest? Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's got to be. Got gotta him, be I got him. Nobody it. fucking Classic. got him. I mean, it, we see it all the time. It's like, yeah. you know, I used to say this when Randy Moss first came in the league, people would try to bracket Randy Moss, right? So that means if he goes right, I got him. If he goes left, you got him, right? But what happens when he goes fucking straight ahead? Nobody's got got him because he's faster than everybody on the planet it's the same thing with Tyreek Hill you know if he goes right I got him he goes left you got him if he goes north shit we're in trouble you know so it's hard so a lot of those in and out bracket coverages you know what 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 it's all about the route distribution it's about the depth of the route it's about the and these corners have to be able to have a feel they've got to be in balance they've Mm -hmm. got to react there's a lot of basketball in some of these coverages that you've got to understand the technique you know we don't discuss this enough but if I play if I'm lined up against you and I try to take keep you away from running a route inside that's my leverage point and if you run throwing out against me and I've kept my leverage point here and you complete it that's really not on me like that's just a completed pass that works within the scheme mm-hmm. my le- I don't want to give up my leverage but if you beat me in my leverage point now I've now I've lost a route and a lot of guys get beat like that and they don't and 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 we don't understand the coverage and how it all relates. For sure. I look, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I understand the coverage at all. I just, I just know you see quarter gets obviously highlighted by making the, the big play. And some of these guys are guys who are gamblers as well. And that's kind of the fascinating discussion of this, uh, of the guys that were close. And you mentioned a uh, couple here, Darius Slay, Philadelphia. He did, he was just outside your top 10, just outside of the red ship category, JC Horn, who we discussed in our first segment for Carolina. And then a few other... He, he, yeah. got, he got hurt. You know, now what, right. what I love about J.C. Horn is the fact he's big. And he can play the star position. Now, what is the star position? And we'll talk about who are the best stars, right? Mm-hmm. you you got to go back to, to the great uh, Buddy Parker, right? Buddy Parker was the head coach of the Detroit Lions long before I was born and you were born. And the, this is when the Lions were a good team. And Buddy Parker was essentially responsible for two-minute offensive football. He was responsible for two-minute defense. He thought, you know, he, he noticed so many teams let down in two minutes before the half uh, that he wanted to see if he could get things done, you know, and not rely and, and see if he could play. So he invented this. And then he invented the nickel defense, and he named it the star position, which is the same terminology that New England uses to, de- to designate their inside slot corner, star, slot corner. And so when you play a star to play inside, you've got to have really good quickness to handle the Hunter Renfro's, to handle the Cooper Cup's change of direction. But you also got to have enough girth to tackle. Like Mike Hilton, who's in Cincinnati now, was a college free agent out of Ole Miss. He played for the Steelers. You know, he bounced around the league a bit, but he was perfect for the Steelers because he, he had quickness, not great speed, but he was a really good tackler. 
So when you combine that element into it, and what I love about Horn was Horn's got that length. Now, he's got to stay healthy, but he's really mm-hmm. athletic, and I think he's going to make a huge difference. I mean, to me, Marcus Peters was, was hurt last year. He's, a, he's what I call a guesser. He's really good at reading quarterbacks' drops. The other thing I think it's important to understand is you break corners down two ways. So when you're studying a corner, there's two types of corners in football, and I've said this on the pod before. There's the breakfast corner, which he's got to press and win early. A guy like, uh, let's say, we'll get to him, we'll get to him, Xavier Howard of Miami. He's mm-hmm. a really good breakfast corner. And then there's the off corner, that, which is what we call the dinner corner, the corner that wins late in the route, the corner that lets the receiver run the route and then is quick enough to break off the stem. And then there's the great, great corner who can play either. You know, and he's open, and no one's open 24 hours against him. So when you get to these corners, you've got to understand what they do really effectively. So some of these guys, you know, that's why it's so scheme, for sure, scheme yeah. important. And what I mean, what your list shows, I think too, is that, and we take a look first here at the the runner ups. These just missed out on your red ship list. Well, white, white. Yeah, I these think, are some now, good guys. Buffalo's, these are some solid guys. Well, Buffalo's a really good. Buffalo's his own team. Let's make no mistake. Buffalo wants to play cover two. They want to play. They want to play Tampa. They want to play quarters coverage. You know that's what they do. You know, and same and same thing with Philly. You know, Cincinnati. The kid at Cincinnati. I don't want to mispronounce his name. Chidobe Awuzie. You know, I got it for you. You know, and so, but they they they'll mix in. I think he was really close to getting on the list. I think he did a great job. Peters was hurt, so Peters and White were both hurt last year, and so were Horn. I think I expect those guys to have better seasons. And Tre'Davious White, Buffalo, J.C. Horn, Carolina, Darius Slay, Philadelphia, Chidobe Awuzie in Cincinnati, and then Marcus Peters uh, in Baltimore. And there, so there were a number of guys too. Uh, uh, you know, on the the full. 15 uh, list, I guess it's really more like 20. Uh, if we if we include our nickels, we'll get to in our next segment. But I, I'd imagine, too, injuries got to play a factor here. I know our producer, Stephen Bond, sitting back there like, really? Tredavious White? Run, runner up, Michael? Runner up? I well, mean, he played, I, 11 ga- he I, played I in 11 it. games. I, I think he's, I mean, he's scheme-specific. I think he does a really good job. You know, I, I mean, Alexander missed a bunch of games, and I put him up. If we go to the red category, I put him up yeah. there because Alexander, to me, is a red-chip player because Alexander can play slot and outside. Like, Alexander is an elite slot corner. He might be one of the best in football. And so, but he can also play outside. Plus, he's got great ball skills. You know, he's a guy that can win late in the route, too. He's got really good quickness. I think Sertan's going to be a star. He had four picks last year. I think he's really a good player. I think he and Horn are both good young corners that came in the league. Travion Diggs, you know, he had 11 interceptions. Look, Travion Diggs is a good player. And, and, and why isn't he a blue chip? Well, he, he gives up a lot of plays, too. He's the Phil Necro of corners. He's gonna, you're going to make some on him, but he's going to make some on you, too. You know, great corners give up plays. I can remember when we used to play Rod Woodson when I was in Cleveland. You know, you would double move Rod Woodson early in the game when he played out a corner, and you might get a play on him, but you ain't getting another one on him. Uh, you were going to get one, and that was about it. Diggs, Diggs doesn't always play within the scheme. He takes a lot of chances like Marcus Peters does, but he's got great ball skills. You know, and, and he's living proof why corner isn't a naturally an athlete because he went later in the draft, Right. He didn't have the elite time speed, but he's got great height, and he's got great ball skills, and he's got great hands. And so that's what makes him so effective. I, the next two guys, Howard and Terrell, could have easily been blue chips, and I debated back and forth on a couple guys switching them out. I think Terrell's had a really good year. He's a really good tackler. 
He took a, a really huge good leap. tackler. It's a huge leap last year. And again, these for these no full doubt. five, yeah. AJ Terrell, yeah, Falcons. And, and, uh, I'm just, just listening to this for the, uh, yeah. And Dean and Dean Peace plays a lot of plays a lot of what we call cover eight. He plays a lot of cover seven. You know, so he's reading it. I think Howard is an elite player. The la- when Howard plays press, and he jams you at the line, you, you're he's going to neutralize you. He's a he might be one of the best breakfast corners in the league. He really is, and he's elite. Now Byron Jones on the other side, to me, they paid him all that money. It ain't even close. Like the separation right. <laughs> between Howard and Jones is not even close. But to me, I think these two guys, I think Howard and Terrell both have a chance to be really the next level. I think I could, you could have made a case they, bo- they belonged in a blue chip category. They're in the top 10 without a doubt. And I think Trayvon Diggs is the one guy I want to focus on because that's a, that's a player who you, you talk to people around the league, I'm sure, from last year. Trayvon Diggs, you could have made a case for. Man, this guy leads the league's in interceptions as such a young player in the league with 11, making big plays all over the ball. This, this guy could be in blue chip range, but you also look at, like, there is a history of corners who have been super, super aggressive, who maybe they get off to really good starts, and then they just kind of flame out because over the long run, that aggressiveness doesn't pay off if, if they aren't smart with how they approach it. I, you know, I always think of uh, Terrell Buckley, you know, as a Packer fan growing up in the 90s. It was like, man, this guy's awesome. And then, you know, three years later, they're, they're trading him away for nothing. And it just, you know, he just, you know, overstayed his welcome there. What kind of category do you put Diggs in? Is he more on the cusp of being a blue chipper? Or do you still think he's got a lot of work to do there and kind of just I, making I your redshift group? I think he was one of those players that had too many missed tackles last year. I think when you watch him, you know, the year before when he only started 11 games, you know, he didn't have as many missed tackles. Last year, he had a bunch of missed tackles. I think he had over 10 missed tackles last season. That's, you know, here's the other thing about corner, Ben, is if your corner doesn't tackle well, you never can balance your defense. Why is that? Because like like White and Buffalo, the two corners in Buffalo, because they play their support, they come down, whether they're playing cover eight, cover seven, or whether they're playing cover two, bailing, you know, they got to tackle. And Diggs missed a bunch of tackles last year. Now, he made tackles, don't get me wrong, but he makes plays on the football, which you can't deny. You just can't deny, but he's going to give up a few. I just feel like, to me, that's there's, some of the inconsistencies keeps him from going up to the next category. Right. I mean, it was what? He, he was last at the NFL and yards allowed over 1,000 penalties uh, with 11 as well. So, like, Diggs is an interesting guy. And that, Jair Alexander, he was just given four-year extension this offseason. And, again, look, just to look at all these redship guys, A.J. Terrell of Atlanta, Xavier Howard of Miami, Trayvon Diggs we just talked about for Dallas, Jair Alexander, Green Bay, Patrick Sertan, the second in Denver. So you have a, a Jair Alexander player who has really been the cornerstone of that, that Packer defense now for a couple of years, but goes down week four against Pittsburgh, out for the season. They just they, they just given him the fifth-year option on his 2020-year deal. Uh, how like We've seen a lot of the, like, you know, you look at some of the advanced numbers on him and you think, wow, this, this guy is, again, seemingly on the surface in that blue chip category. How much of his inclusion in this list is a, all right, it's an injury issue. We've seen how that scheme has changed from time to time there in Green Bay, and you're not ready to put him in, in your top five list. Well, the only reason he's, to me, he's, you know, you say, well, why, is, why isn't White in and why isn't, you know, Peters in? The reason I put Alexander in is because he can do both. He plays inside and outside corner so effectively. And so I know he missed 12 games last year in the playoff game, but to me, I think his ability to cover, his ability to really kind of 
keep the opponent from completing passes against him. And he does tackle. He, he doesn't have many missed tackles, you know, when he does play inside the slot. Plus, he's got great ball awareness. He understands how to get his hands on the football, which I think is really important. So I think his versatility is why I put him in the category and I didn't move white. Or, I mean, Peters to me is a guesser. And I don't think Peters mm-hmm. played well last year. I think White, if anybody, deserves to be in the red chip category. Because, but he only played 11 games. And I just thought Alexander, because of his versatility, belonged there. For sure. Hey, look, you're, the, the Bills fans out there, like our producer, Stephen Bond there, I'm sure now that you at least explained it, they can understand where you're, uh, where you're coming well, from. Pl- I mean, you know, uh, I mean, he, he, you we're know. talking about, you know, we're just talking about next year. I, could I see White and Horn be in there without a doubt? You, Do yeah. I think Slay... Uh, do I think so? no? Because I don't think they're going to play enough man-to-man in Philadelphia. I really don't. I mean, they signed Bradbury, and everybody said, "Well, they signed Bradbury. They got Bradbury and Slay. Bradbury's his own corner. That's what Bradbury lives with. He he's his own corner. You you, you lock him up in man-to-man. It's not going to be pretty." Yeah, but it's an all-star team, Michael, in, uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I understand that. Week. Yeah, we're celebrating. <laughs> last week. All right, let's hit a break. We'll talk Michael's blue chips. This is, this is going to be fun. We get to your top five. We'll also talk blue chip, not only outside, but we'll look at nickel corners as well. Coming up next year on the GM Shuffle. So we arrive at the blue chips and it's a great, I guess, sign, Michael, that this is so hard to put together is that I know we, we put together our list and then you have another addition here on, on the nickel corners, at least, uh, where, as I'll just lay this out to start here, Kendall Fuller looks like he's going to be one of your blue chip nickel guys, Asante Samuel Jr., Troy Hill, Mike Hughes, Sean Murphy Bunting. Those are your five. But I know there's another guy that as we're doing this, you, you realize, wait, I, I need to add this guy. I need to add one you know, more. Who, who did you add? Well, it was, the, it was Chauncey Gardner you know, from New Orleans, who I think really does a wonderful job for their defense. It kind of really allows them, you know, to get away with what they get away with defensively. And in Dennis Allen's scheme, which requires him to play a lot of a lot of man-to-man. But Gardner Johnson, I thought, was an outstanding player. So I think Murphy Bunning does too. I mean, all these guys here, again, they're just all in the cluster. Nobody's one, two, or three. They're in the cluster. I think Troy Hill was a kid that you know, he went to Cleveland, didn't really work in Cleveland. He works better in the Rams scheme, playing in that slot, being able to kind of utilize the skill skill set. He's got quickness. He's got ability to tackle. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is one of those other guys that could go inside and play really well. He's got good ball instincts like his father, you know, who took a lot of chances but makes plays on the ball. And then Fuller in Washington, I, I think ultimately, even though Washington was so bad on third down, so bad in pass defense, Fuller can play in the slot, and it gives you a nickel corner. And when you have that, now remember, the nickel corner also has to attack the pocket, blitz, mm-hmm. be able to sack the quarterback. You know, they're playing on all different levels. So I think this is such an important position. It used to be in draft rooms, you know, you just had corner lined up, right? Yeah, here's our corners. Well, much like the receiver board, the corner board has to be different now, too. You've got to line up guys and say, okay, here's the nickel corners in the draft. Like, this guy isn't going to be an outside corner, but he could play 800 plays as a slot corner because, let's face it, it's no longer a third-down position. It's an every-down position. And you think, too, like, you look at a guy like Asante Samuel Jr., where that the Charger defense was just so porous last year, mostly because of the, the running game on the ground. It was 30th in, in rush defense last year. For a guy like Samuel, you know, and you think about maybe these overall defensive schemes that struggle in general, if you look back at 2021, like in your mind, a guy for a guy like him who's done so much for the, the Chargers, even in some, you know, in some games where they struggled, like how much worse off would a team like that be if they didn't have a presence of a guy like him who could do multiple things and who could attack in, into the pocket? 
I mean, look, this Charger team, we talk about how bad they are on defense. They're 32nd in the league. Brendan Staley's a defensive coach, you know, and they've got a blue-chip player at safety. We talked about him last week. They've got a really good nickel corner in Samuel. they got a blue-chip corner. We'll get to him in a second in J.C. Jackson with all his interceptions last year and his ability to make plays on the ball. You know, and then they've got a blue-chip player in the front seven in Joey Bosa. I mean, for them to be this bad on defense, something's wrong here. You know, I mean, yeah. something's wrong. They got a lot. I mean, look, they have more talent than the Rams have. Now, is is Bosa as talented as Donald? No, but, you know, he's a blue chip player, mm-hmm. too. We'll get to him. Is, you know, is, is you know, James as, as good as, yeah, he's probably the best player in the secondary on defense. I mean, think about it. They've got to do it. And I thought last year, the way Samuel, he played in 12 games, I thought he was really starting to get a feel for it. I think he'll really emerge as a good slot corner. I think the problem he's got to have is he's got to tackle better, much like his dad. He's got to tackle a little yeah. bit better. Had too many missed tackles last year, but I think he's got a chance to be a really good third down corner. You know, when you the phrase it like corner, that, you're right. When you phrase it like that, you start listing all the blue chip guys, and then you realize, yeah, Brandon Staley, he's this defensive mind. It's just... And we, we, there's so much hype on uh, this Chargers team this year. But as you point out, like at some point, something has got to give. And the, the meshing has, has to happen. Uh, but Samuel Jr. makes that list. How about we get to the, the blue chip on your outside corners here, the moment we've been waiting yeah. for. Uh, not, there are some guys on here, probably not a surprise whatsoever. There's some vets on, on the list. Uh, not as, I would assume, is Jalen Ramsey your number one guy on this list? I think he there's a separation. Yeah. There's a separation between Ramsey and everybody else because Ramsey's one of the few guys that can play press. He can be win breakfast and he can win lunch. He can win dinner. Like, he can do it both. J.C. Jackson's good at both, too. He's, he's up there. I, I think J.C. Jackson's a little inconsistent, but he plays a lot of man. I mean, one thing about New England, they play a lot of man-to-man. You know, and it's the same thing with Marlon Humphrey at Baltimore. They play a lot of man. You know, so you really get same thing with with New Orleans. They play a lot of man. The reason I I put Ward up there, and I and I could have gone Terrell or Howard as the fifth guy over Ward. Mm-hmm. I think Ward's a really talented player, but they don't play a lot of man to man in Cleveland. They really don't. Now the other side gets a lot of the action. Nobody really goes after Ward. Ward's a good instinctive player. I think he certainly is is a top elite player. So I put I I beat him. I I allowed him to be the blue chip player here. But I wish he, they played more man-to-man in Cleveland right. than they do. But still, I think these five guys are really good. J.C. Jackson, to me, he's got to show that he can continue to make plays on the ball. He's going to give up a few. Look, they're all going to give up a few, right? Nobody's pitching no hitters here. But the, th- the key is they got to make plays on the football. And I think Humphrey and Lattimore, they're both really instinctive. And they become better as the rush improves. Right. And I don't, first off, I don't think anybody's going to dispute your putting Ramsey on the top, kind of in his own little tier here. Humphrey is interesting because, like, we've seen him move around so much at th- you know, throughout his time and versatility. I'd have to imagine from your, your perspective to being the, you know, being a longtime GM, like, that's got to matter so much. If Humphrey, let's just say we were listing him as a nickel corner, like, where would he rank on your, on your, would he be a blue, I would assume he'd be a blue yeah. chip nickel guy too, right? Which no is doubt. pretty impressive. His, versi- his versatility is outstanding, right? I mean, he can do everything. And, he, and, you know, he's good on all levels of the defense. He's really good on all levels of the defense. And he's got, he's got the instinct. See, I think what we don't always understand about the cornerback position is, is so, you know, as I look straight ahead into this camera, I am looking at the camera. 
the cornerback position, when you play right corner, and when I say right corner, it's always from as I stand looking at the defense. So if I'm standing at the free safety position, the right corner's to my right, okay? He only sees the game through his left eye, okay? He only sees the game through his left eye. Because the, everything's coming to him in that fashion. If he goes over and plays left, if he goes over and plays left corner, he only sees the game through his right eye. That's why it's hard sometimes for guys to go from corner to safety. They're not used to seeing the game through both eyes. Humphrey's one of those players that sees it through both eyes. So is Lattimore. That's why Rob Woodson can go from corner to safety with really easily. Ronnie Lott, corner to mm-hmm. safety. He, they saw the game through both eyes. Some guys don't. Nandi Asimov, he only saw the game through his left eye. Everything had to come with him that way. And I think because of that vision, you lose some of your instincts to find the ball when the ball's up in the air. Right. And I think that's ultimately what happens. But I, don't, I, don't, I see Humphrey as being that guy. I mean, Humphrey can do it. You, you, it's hard to judge it, too, because in college, right, everybody thinks the field corner in college is the most important corner, all right? Well, if the ball's on the left, let's say the ball's on the right hash mark, the left as the defense looks at it, and the field's to the right as the defense looks at it, that throw from that hash mark all the way down the field's a hard throw. Mm-hmm. The easiest throw to make is the one to the short field, right? That throw's the easiest. So that guy's got to be able to run. That guy's got to be able to cover because the ball's easier to throw over here than it is to throw to the wide part of the field. Whereas in the NFL, the ball's always in the middle field. There's no short field to really throw to. Yeah, and I, you, th- you put all that together, and it, that's fascinating, too, just think about, like, because you think of Namdi Asma, right? And it's like, you know, iconic, shutdown corner, but obviously there are limitations there. You think about what you're just talking about with Humphrey. Would you go as far to say that if you're just looking at, if, you, if you're valuing the positional versatility above all else and the ability to look, you know, like out of both eyes at all times and, and have the field vision, like is, is he a guy who you would put as, as a, like the most valuable cornerback just because of the things he can do? Whereas maybe Jalen Ramsey, he is certainly the most talented and on another level of all these guys, but would, like, would you go as far as to say Humphrey is your most valuable corner if you're, if you're evaluating these blue chips on, on just, you know, overall top to bottom, what they bring to a team, aside from just their specific talent there? Well, I mean, Ramsey exouts the other receivers. So, you know, he's separate. But to me, Humphrey's versatility is good. It, it, it really makes – now, you know, he missed four games last year, mm-hmm. you know, but he was still so effective for them, you know, because he can tackle well. He takes away the receiver, plus he can attack the pocket. You know, he blitzed – you know, he, he was able to, to rush, hit the quarterback – and they utilized his skill set in that area. So for me, and then he plays in the kicking game. You know, plus he plays in the kicking game. So he's a versatile guy. I mean, I like all of them. I like Terrell and Howard a lot too, who's in the red category. Yeah. I like Ward. I think Ward, you know, to me, that draft was they picked Baker and Ward. You know, I, I, I said it at the time, I would have picked Bradley Chubb and Quentin Nelson and traded back in the first to get Lamar Jackson. But, you know, they end, still end up with a good player in Ward. Right. And then like, like you think about a guy like a Marshawn Lattimore, who we, we sort of we, we get into that whole trying to break guys down into are they, you know, total total shutdown guys. And I, let me, you look at what Lattimore did where he forced, what, 38 incompletions in man coverage. That's since uh, since 2017, which is a pretty ridiculous amount where he's clearly getting thrown out a lot. But he's he's all at the same time been able to have a really high level of production there. And you talk about, too, the, the scheme that it takes when you play in Dennis Allen's defense there in New Orleans. Uh, for, for Lattimore, is it a, yeah, obviously he's a blue chip. I, I wonder if he's almost in some circles, 
even underrated a little bit. If we've, I don't know if we've gotten to the point yet where like we can really appreciate what he does because at least if we're talking man to man, I know that's kind of that was one of your criteria here, just breaking down what these guys and 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 how that matters to you at least when you're looking at these corners. I mean, Lattimore, like from a pure man to man perspective, he's got to be. I mean, obviously as we just talked about, right? Not quite with Ramsey, right? But he has to be of of your next options, maybe one of the first or second you'd pick. No doubt. I mean, plus he, he's a really good tackler. He had 68 tackles last year, only had three misses. That's pretty damn good. That helps. You know, and, and he can play man-to-man. You know, now, there's certain guys that give him trouble. There's no doubt. But, I mean, look, one thing about evaluating corners, nobody's pitching a shutout. Like, even Ramsey's going to give up some plays. You know, but you got to be careful throwing the ball over to him. That's the other thing. Like, for all the plays that Diggs gives up, like to throw the ball at Diggs, you're taking a risk because he can make plays on the football and he's not one of those guys who drops it. Like J.C. Jackson in the Buffalo game, he had a chance to intercept. That was one of the few interceptions he dropped, the one that was in Cle- the one that was in New England. He rarely drops the ball when it gets in his hands. You know, what happened in that playoff game? I mean, think about the safety for San Francisco who drops the ball. That game might change if he, yep. pick, if he holds on to it. You know, that's an important qu- – you got to be able to make the play when it counts and Lattimore does. I still look as a Packer fan. I mean, Jair Alexander, we remember how good he was in the 2021 playoffs. You just, I can't help but wonder, like, if he was on the field, would that have maybe been different for, uh, for Green Bay in 2022? Uh, just again, the, the, the recap here of your, your blue chip guys one more time Jalen Ramsey, Rams, JC Jackson, Chargers, Marlon Humphrey of Baltimore, Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints, Denzel Ward for the Browns, and then the blue chip nickel corners, Kendall Fuller of the Washington Commanders, Asante Samuel Jr. of the Chargers, Troy Hill with the Rams, Mike Hughes of the Lions, and then Sean Murphy Bunting of the Buccaneers. But again, kind of also an asterisk there, C.J. Gardner-Johnson of the Saints. It's kind of an honorable mention, uh, blue chip nickel. We talk a lot of Trayvon Diggs, Michael, and there was a very interesting quote from Micah Parsons in Dallas. I want to get to that. Let's hit a break. Talk about that next, because this... This thing, uh, I, know, I know you're going to have thoughts when we, we hear the players that Micah Parsons started comparing he and Trayvon Diggs to. So we'll get to that next as we wrap things up here on the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, I hope you're ready for this, uh, this comp here. Yeah. We, we just talked a little Trayvon Diggs. He was on your red ship, so that's, that's solid. Not quite a blue chip guy yet. So Micah Parsons comes out for Dallas, and he says, myself and Trayvon Diggs, we can become better than Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. In, uh, in L.A. Now, Parsons, like, let's just give some context here. He says, we're not there yet, but says he's confident the duo can become what Donald and Ramsey are, or, here's the kicker, or possibly eclipse them. On the surface, yes, ridiculous statement. Uh, what say you, though? Is this, like, how, how far away are Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs from that actually becoming a, ra- a reality there? Well, with Micah Parsons, the uniqueness about his game, Ben, is that he can rush from any point in the rush. He can rush from a two-point stance lined up at inside linebacker. He can rush in a three-point stance lined up at defensive end. He can rush over a guard. You know, he can rush from distance. So his versatility is different than Donald in the sense that they can create matchups for him. So, for example, everything about football protection is about accounting for the down linemen. So when Dallas has four down linemen on, you'll, you'll see the offensive line come say, four down, four down. So they only want their offensive line to block the down guy. And then they point out the mic or the will, whichever is in their protection scheme. And they give that guy to either the back or the offensive line. So what Dan Quinn tries to do is Dan Quinn tries to get somebody designated as the will and then get Parsons designated as the back's got to block him. That never happens for Aaron Donald. Aaron Mm -hmm. Donald's getting slide protection to him 
99.9% of the time. So it's, it's a lot harder for him to be as dominating as he is, but Parsons is really good at what he does. And the uniqueness in Parsons' game and the maneuverability in Parsons' games makes it very hard on the protection scheme. So like when Jamal Adams comes down in the box, and because he had 11 sacks two years ago, everybody just count him as a down guy. He's down. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's a down guy. So, the, so once he gets blocked by an offensive lineman, it, it's over. But Parsons can still beat the offensive lineman. So even though the matchup may not favor him on that play, he can still beat him. So what happens on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is you got to understand the protections of the opponent. And Quinn then tries to design blitzes, not necessarily blitzes to get home free, blitzes to get the right matchup. It's like basketball. You know, if you're going to guard this guy with that guy, I'm going to just take him to the rim. And so that's what Parsons can do more effectively than Donald just by the nature of the position. As for Diggs, Diggs is mm-hmm. never going to be his cover guy. As a, He's going to be a playmaker. But I think what you're going to see, you know, Anthony Brown pays the punch for Diggs. Because why go after Diggs when you go after Brown and win and be successful? Makes a lot of sense. That's why, you, that's why, as you just talked about, like with a guy like Ramsey, because of the ability to X out, you know, number of receivers on you know, one side of the field, that has a, a massive, massive correlation there to the, to the other part of the defense. I just wonder, too, from like a consistency standpoint, right, where you talk, I mean, I think the one thing that we, that maybe gets lost in the shuffle with a guy like Aaron Donald is just that, like, you know every single play. It's not like it's just going to be, okay, you, you know you're going to have to slide him over, figure out a way to double, triple him. Like, every single play, he's coming at you, and it just, it just never stops. Like, for, for Parsons, and if we're extending this into, I know we both kind of feel like, all right, for Trayvon Diggs, that, that part of the comp might be further off than, than at least for Parsons, consistency-wise. And this was a Dallas defense last year that really thrived on just trying to make the big play, but they were also susceptible at times, and you wouldn't exactly consider them a super consistent defense. Like, what will it take this year for, for a, a unit like that to, to step up? And you'd have to, th- I would assume, right, those are two guys that are going to be right at the forefront of that if they, if they take another leap forward here. Well, I think a lot of it depends on their ability to get the ball turned over, right? I mean, that's where they really had success is their ability to create turnovers, their ability to, you know, to, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, get the offense to make a mistake. They ranked third in that category last year in percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover. They're third. Now, you know, that's awesome. And they're able to do that. And so when they can do that, it, they win. But when they don't do that, like the playoff game against San Francisco, they were they were even in turnovers. Mm-hmm. Or the Arizona game where they created no turnovers. Or the Las Vegas game where they created no turnovers. Or the Denver game when they created no turnovers. That becomes a problem. I mean, Denver put 407 yards on them. I mean, the Raiders put 509 yards on them. You know? And so Arizona put 400 on them. When they don't create turnovers, how good are they? And I think that's what Dan Quinn has to work harder on is in terms of being able to balance his team without having to blitz them or create the turnovers. Right. I would just think, too, and I mean, you can certainly speak to this, where when you're in those offseason meeting rooms and we've seen, two, you know, I'm, I'm sure, like on one hand, it's okay, yes, it's forced turnovers. We understand that is a strength of our team. But we've seen statistically, right, that forcing turnovers, it's not just this thing you can cook up every year and say, all right, we can no. count on – Let's, let's just count on 20 turnovers a year we're going to take away. It's a, such a high-variance thing, especially in the National Football League. Are you of the mindset, like when you're sitting in the offseason meeting room, that like, have you emphasized that in, in at least schematically or to the players that, hey, guys, like we, we need to figure out better ways and, and not to just assume on or assume we have these fallback options of, 
uh, just having, you know, multiple takeaways in bunches that will really turn tides of games. Like, is that, does that become an emphasis or is it still like, all right, we know we have the ability to turn teams over. Let's focus in on that and let's use that as a strength. I think what you do in the offseason is you kind of figure out, okay, teams probably aren't going to go after Diggs as much. You know, they're going to take the approach that the Raiders did, just go after Andrew Brown. And we've got to find a way to win games where we don't turn the ball over. I think that's paramount. Now, opening game last year, what they do, they had four turnovers against the Bucs. They still lost. So it's not a guarantee, right? It's right. not a recipe. But you've got to figure out a way to where if you don't get those turnovers – You've, you can still find a way to make plays. You've got to get better on fourth down. I think you know that's one of the areas they were not very good last year is, is, is the possession exchange on fourth down. They ranked 26th in the league. The other area that I think Dallas has got to get better in defensively is they were 18th in red zone defense. I mean, turn the ball over is great, but what's more important than creating turnovers is stopping the opponent when they get into the red zone, making them have to settle for field goals, not touchdowns. Yeah, you just have to think, and we had this discussion last week, right? Talking Eagles, where they have been that buzz team in the NFC East. A lot of people are really high on them. Is it, I guess, the one reason or one of the reasons why maybe Dallas could take a step back is simply because there were a lot of weaknesses last year in that defense that were that were sort of masqueraded by the fact that they got a lot of timely turnovers and were able to flip games in, you know, in, in opportune times for them. Is, is that something that genuinely worries you since we've had this whole discussion of, all right, are the Eagles ready to go here, take that next step, even if they've got deficiencies at the quarterback spot? We know how Dallas has a number one quarterback in the division here. But is, is the defense to you going to end up being a liability, even though like they end the year, I mean, football outsiders had the number two DVOA defense team uh, on the whole last year? Right, but I think what Dallas has to do is, I think what Dan Quinn has to do this offseason is, Dan Quinn has to kind of, I don't want to say change, but I think he needs to modify. I think he needs to kind of expand his playbook. He did a wonderful job going from Atlanta where he was playing Pete Carroll's scheme to coming to Dallas and kind of doing a lot of different things. But as the year wore on, and we see the season as it wore on, and we saw teams that, could, that had good quarterbacking could really throw the ball effectively on them. You know, now they beat New Orleans, but New Orleans still put 405 yards on them in that game. They turned the ball over four times against New Orleans. I mean, so they're going to have to find a way. I would suspect that Dan Quinn spent a lot of time this offseason trying to get better in the red zone. Yeah. That's the number one thing he's got to do. When you're yeah, when you're b- below average in that mark, kind of a kind of an important thing. Red zone defense doesn't doesn't take a GM to know that, Michael. It's sort of sort of important. Uh, so this <laughs> has been not. an absolute blast. I can't thank you enough, Michael, for letting me fill in uh, for Femi Abebefe, who's in yes, we, as we mentioned at the top, a remote location somewhere in Minnesota. Femi yeah. will be back though next week. Uh, thanks to Stephen Bond as well for making uh, for uh, making our jobs very easy as always. Again, follow Michael at M Lombardi NFL. Subscribe. Uh, listen, comment, like, whatever whatever you do on this podcast, the GM Shuffle. But I know we'll be back next week. Uh, so for myself, Ben Wilson, and uh, Michael Lombardi, we're going to say so long. We'll catch you next time right here on the GM Shuffle, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. 